The moment you realize that asset data management is the problem you're trying to solve. Hello, thank you for joining us. This is What Counts, a podcast created by Trailblazer Consulting. Here, we highlight proven solutions developed through our experience working with companies across various industries, and we talk about how you can apply these solutions to your company. We share our experience solving information management challenges like creating and implementing a records retention schedule, creating an asset data hierarchy, or helping with email management. This is Lee, and in this episode, Moore and I will talk about the difference between an asset data management solution and an enterprise content management solution. How do you feel about that subject for today, Maura? Hi, Lee uh, and everyone. Well, this is, to me, one of the most interesting parts of our work. And it's really started to, I mean, we've been working on it for 10 years now, but it's really come together for me in the past few years. And I think I want to start with some history about records management and information management and how things have changed. Think about 30 years ago when most business was done by writing a document. You were writing something down, even if you were typing it or using a word processor, you were still writing down your thoughts and you were sharing them in some kind of a manual, a memo, a report with other people was a very manual process and you had everything encapsulated in these documents. The documents kind of stood alone and the goal of records management was filing. It was filing completed documents, filing final reports. If you go to something even more mathematical and you're looking at accounting, you would have ledgers and people were making data, you know, making entries every day about transactions, and then you had a book at the end of the year and you'd shut that book and put it on the shelf. So trying to convert those paper-based document-centric processes into our data-focused world really introduced a lot of change, not only in the way we do business, but also in the way we have to apply the same principles of records management, and now information governance. So what does that mean for this asset data question? If you're talking about paper and you're thinking about physical assets, look back 50 years and you've got drawings. And there's a very structured process in the world of engineering where you go from a high-level design to a detailed design to specifications to as-built drawings, and then after the whatever infrastructure thing you're building is built, you have a a detailed and structured process of red lines and updates to create new drawings. Come into the the data world and you've introduced things like the um, computerized maintenance management systems where you're managing work orders. And a lot of the data about what's happened to your physical asset is now captured in these work orders not reflected necessarily on your drawings. So you're starting to separate out and kind of distribute your data. Add on top of that, you've got financial data. So remember we used to have just a ledger. It had every transaction in it and you would have to parse through it based on account codes. Now you've got 
that same ledger in electronic form, and you've got a separate construction file or job file or operation and maintenance budget that kind of relates to your work orders. So again, you're distributing all this data that's telling the story of what's happening to your building, your bridge, your pipeline, whatever it is that your is your asset that you're built that you're working on. So we come in now and we're thinking about information management. We're thinking about the history of records management, starting with those file folders that turn into boxes and how everything's a document. And our world is so different and it's so distributed that it's hard to pick through it and find the picture of this asset that you used to be able to get by looking at those detailed drawings and red lines and updates. So what do we do about that? Kind of what's that, that light bulb moment for us? And where I've seen it is, and I've seen this over and over again in different infrastructure organizations, whether it's a utility, a pipeline company, a transportation company, and more recently, a pharmaceutical company, and we're going to get to that one, or manufacturing before we get to the pharma. In each case, you can trace, you can find all the things you need, but it's very hard to pick out the history, the story of this one asset. So we come into an organization, and the biggest example was when we were called into that airport a few years ago. And the first question that they were asking us was, we can't trace the business cases for our capital investments backwards from the time that we finished building it to see what we said we were going to do with this new building. We can't trace it back. So we think we have a document management problem. And we came in, and we've talked about this in some other episodes, we came in, we did a very quick accelerated assessment, talked to 65 people in two weeks, and we found out that, yeah, there's a document problem here, but actually the source of the problem, the, the root cause is an asset data problem because you're tracking your business cases by capital budget numbers, but you can't trace them back by the end of the construction period, what you've built and how it relates to your already in place assets there's no connections. And so you have to count on a person who can tell you how does this fit together. And in that case, uh, a lot of, you know, jumping through hoops and trying to make data fit that didn't fit. And so we said, instead of looking at that document problem first, because we're just going to be, you know, solving a symptom instead of the root cause, let's look at that asset data problem. How do we name assets when they get added to the base? How do we name the assets that already exist? And how do we attach data to, to the assets through each business process and each stage of development that, that they go through? What are you thinking? I hear you. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out if this, there's an easier way to try to explain some of this. And the only thing that's really popping into my head right now is when it comes to records management, you have a record life cycle and people hone in on the records created, it's maintained, it's stored, right? It's archived and disposition then. Whereas asset data management 
has a focus on what the company is building, right? Now you just expanded the entire universe and so many strings are attached to that particular piece of data, to the particular pieces of data in that record, I guess is the way I want to say it. And they belong to so many different departments and groups across the organization. I mean, you're right. It's, it is complicated and I'm not trying to make it more complex than it. Well, it is complex and I'm not trying to make it more complicated. So maybe we should take a cell, a, a concrete example. Okay. So you are the accounting department. You are working with an accounting department and the accounting department has to account for money in and money out debits and credits for each of the chart of accounts. And you've got an account that is called capital improvements. And maybe each year you break that account into five or 10 projects and each one gets a unique number and a budget assigned to it. And so from an accounting standpoint, then that's your starting debit, your starting credit is you have $5 million to build this project A. And as you go through the year, you spend against that. And by the end of the year, you spent $5 million and $50,000, um, which is pretty good. So you've spent that, you've accounted for it, and you know that you've, you've built something there. And at the end of that building project, you have built a new communications tower. And you, your engineers and your account, your finance people get together and they say, okay, we built this communications tower. We spent $5,050,000 to build it. And we think the value of this, which is set at the kind of end of the project, the value of this is $7 million. And that's a value to the business or depending on how how your company calculates these values, but there are rules and generally accepted accounting principles. I am not an accountant. We are not accountants. Um, so you together, you set your value for this communications tower and uh, everyone agrees that's your, your starting value. So then each year, in fact, each quarter from a finance perspective, you're gonna depreciate that value and actually, instead of saying $7 million, let's just make it equal to the cost. So it's $5,050,000, and you expect that communications tower to have a useful life of 25 years, and you divide that $5,050,000, and you depreciate it over that 25 years. From a finance perspective, that's great. You're good. You've got a line item. You had a, you had a capital expenditure. You have your depreciation, and you track all of the transactions the money in, the money out. It, it goes to your taxes. It goes to other things. Okay. That's one, that's one thread that kind of runs around that communications tower. On the other hand, you have the engineering department who is now responsible for maintaining that communications tower. And it has a lot of parts to it. And some of those parts require regular maintenance. They may require maintenance that has to be reported on from a regulatory standpoint. They may require maintenance in order to keep a warranty um, intact or something. 
And so your engineering department has to track not just what's happening to this whole communications tower, but actually what's happening to many of the individual parts. So how do you do that? The engineering team has to figure out what are the parts that we want to track? And you want them to do this in an orderly fashion. So defining those assets, what's the threshold for an asset? And some rules that we've seen work well are over a certain dollar value, something that must be reported on, something that must be maintained regularly, and, and finally, something that's going to be reported as a problem on its own. So if you're talking about this communications tower, it has a door in the front, the door breaks, then that has to be reported on its own to be fixed. So that fault reporting as opposed to regulatory reporting. So that same door probably is a fire door and has to be inspected. So there's a lot of different reasons to, to track the door, even though it doesn't really add to the function of the communications tower, but you need to track it. Your engineering team knows those rules, they're going to apply that. They're going to track all of those pieces that they have to track in order to do the work on it. Well, if you're the construction team, stepping back to the beginning of this project, you have your budget, you know what you when you need to finish this project. So you're keeping a construction book that says, here's what we're going to build and here's how we're doing it. And here's our project plan and here's our budget and tracking and we get to the end of the day and we're done. The better the communication between the engineering team and the construction team from the beginning, you're going to get better data at the end for the engineering team to handle. So the construction team is buying all these parts. They know what the warranties are. They know what the specs are. They know what they've gotten. The, the engineering team needs to know all of that same stuff in order to maintain it. So for the construction team, it's fine to just keep it all in a construction book, whether that book is a binder or a file on a computer somewhere. But for the engineering team, they need the data and they need to be able to pull that data into their maintenance management system so that they can track those maintenance activities, those routine inspections, that regulatory reporting, that faults and um, repairs, all of that against those individual parts that meet the thresholds that they have to track. So that's just two, well, three groups in your company that have three very different needs for tracking just the beginning of the life of this comm tower that you're building from a financial perspective, a construction perspective, and an engineering perspective. But that comm tower lasts for 25 years and there's more work that happens, there's more data that, that gets developed around the parts and the tower and the finances, because if you start replacing things early, that might change the value early. It might extend the life and the depreciation changes. It has a lot of different things. You might do an upgrade after year 10. And what does that do for you from a financial perspective, from a construction perspective, and from a engineering perspective? So a traditional way to approach that is finance manages that budget and the depreciation, maybe taxes. Construction is managing their job book separately in a vacuum. And engineering is trying to grab all the data they can so that they can maintain that thing for the next 25 years. That's the traditional kind of business focused, business process focused, and 
document centric, like pockets of data, different data sets that are disconnected. That's kind of a traditional way to look at it. If you take an asset approach, then you identify not just the comm tower, but all of those parts of it that meet the thresholds that everyone has agreed that these are thresholds we're going to track. You start attaching the data to those parts from the very beginning. So finance doesn't just know that they spent $5,050,000 to build a communications tower. They know that they spent $5,050,000 to build the communication tower, which comprises these 700 separate parts, and they have costs for each of those as well. Construction has their job book and all of the individual data for those 700 parts that need to be tracked is easily identified by the part. And the engineering team has picked up that data throughout the course of the project and then can build on it, add to that data set for the remaining 22 years of the life once the project goes live. So that reorients you from everybody's on their own building data for their business process to everybody's in this together and we are collecting data about this asset that also serves the needs of our separate business processes. So it really reorients you on how you approach any information management solution. The reorientation is the important piece because finance is looking at the asset register and they're saying, this is everything I need. This is everything that we have. This is everything that we look at. But it doesn't exactly correlate to the maintenance management system. Yes, you're getting some depreciation back for the larger items, but not every single item. And construction has their own separate job book because they're kind of out on their own a little bit when it comes to creating the, the whole thing. So all three of those groups probably call the same component something different. And asset information management, asset data management brings it together so that those three groups are talking about the same thing at the same time with the same identification. Does that work? Yeah, I think that's a good place for us to stop today because we're going to have a few more discussions about this, I know. But that how people call things, how they name them is really important because we're not talking about people when we're talking about data sharing. People can say it's the Marvin building. Oh, it's building one, two, three. And people can make the connection that the Marvin building is also building one, two, three. But two computer systems that refer to the Marvin building in one system and building one, two, three in another system, they are not going to know. Those two computer systems are not going to be able to share data about those two buildings. They will think that is they are two different buildings. And so you'll have a financial data set, you'll have a construction data set that called it Project X, and you'll have the engineering data set. You might even have like a commercial data set because your building that you've built is a mall and the commercial team is you know, renting store spaces inside of the Marvin building and they've named them something else. Like it's the old McDonald's or it's where we used, where we plan to put a fountain. Um, and so people, again, having a conversation. And if you think back to that document-based world, 
a person reading a report or a memo, they can make that translation on their own. But when you want a system to be involved because we have so much more data and you talked about it as the strings of data and all the systems, Lee, we want those systems to talk to each other to make reporting more efficient and not require a person to go look at five systems and write a report to send to people, then we need to be able to have all those five systems recognize that the Marvin building and building one, two, three, and the second floor of the mall where the McDonald's used to be, how they fit together. And that is the heart of our asset data approach. So we started this by saying, this is how we recognize when we have an asset data problem. We're ending with a teaser. Please come back and hear us talk about the asset data approach. And that will be over a series of episodes because as you can hear just from our description of this problem, this is not a quick and easy answer. Excellent. If you have any questions, please send us an email at info at trailblazer.us.com or look us up on the web at www.trailblazer.us.com. Thank you for listening and please tune in to our next episode. Also, if you like this episode, please be a champion and share it with the people in your social media network. As always, we appreciate you, the listeners. Special thanks goes out to Jason Blake, who created our intro music. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.